0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman, your host. Uh, today, Eric Fawcett from GatorCountry.com and I are going to talk about Florida's thrilling victory over Ole Miss and preview uh, a huge game Saturday um, against a Kentucky team that's maybe playing better than anybody in America. So, um, a tall task ahead of the Gators, kind of kind of a rough matchup um, if we're being frank about it, but we're going to kind of break down why. Um, you know some of the some of the X's and O's of that, and um, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy the show. All right, everybody, I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, and we are. Back to talk about uh, maybe the most exciting game of the season, <laughs> um, Eric. Your thoughts on a uh, a wild overtime game that maybe not the best played game in parts, but uh, certainly a lot of fun and, and a Florida win.
1: I think it probably was the most exciting game, especially because, uh, I mean, the probably the most exciting game prior to that was that kind of gong show of a Texas A&M game that obviously they came up on the right side of. But um, it's, uh, it's just really nice for Florida to finally win a close game. Um, they've just been on the wrong side of these one or two possession games so much last season, this season. Um, and it's just really good for them to finally be on the right side of that. And I think that that'll be really encouraging for the coaching staff. It's got to be really encouraging for the players and for obviously everyone who, uh, who goes to games at home. It's, it's nice to see Florida, uh, have a little magic, uh, in the Odom.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, obviously, uh, defending their home floor is going to be a crucial part of any chance they have to, to advance to the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, to do it right before you, you – really, this was the first game of the most brutal part of the schedule. Uh, don't want to do any disservice to all Miss. So to win the first game of of the most brutal five-game stretch you're going to have, I think, uh, has to do wonders to their confidence um, headed into the next uh, few games. What, what do you think – I thought Florida executed offensively the best that they have all season. And I know some of that is – opponent base but you know Ole Miss has defended better under Kermit Davis and the other thing that they do that's interesting that I thought Florida did a nice job of is that Kermit Davis is is kind of famous for switching defenses they like will switch in and out of zone on the same possession which is really unusual and uh, I thought Florida handled that really well most of the game
1: yeah, they were they were obviously pretty efficient. I think they were like forty nine percent from the field, which uh, they I don't know how many games they've had uh, like that <laughs> this season. Especially, uh, I you know I don't think they've had a game like that against against another high major team for sure. So uh, yeah, obviously they're effective, and I think obviously that kind of starts with your with your guards and um, Andrew Nembhard had some uh, had some kind of good reads out of that out of that defense. Uh, it, it it always seems like. Uh, uh, like Keontae Johnson seems to play better against zone defenses. I'm not really sure what it is, but he just kind of has the knack for finding the soft kind of seams of the zone, getting in there, dishing the ball off. So I thought he did really well uh, against the zone. And obviously it seems like Noah Locke will just uh, shoot against whatever defense. i um, at a high level right now. And obviously in his zone, there's sometimes, uh, there's going to be some creases for him to find.
0: So, um, you know, Admiral Schofield is, is like that, which is – I tweeted last night that Keith Johnson is reminding me more and more of him because he knocked down another three in the corner. And uh, he just – he does. He seems to have a knack for finding the seams and attacking them and getting fouled. Um, and, and he plays two or three inches bigger than he really is. And, you know, look, when Tennessee beat Gonzaga, that was the key. Like Mark Few switched to his own in the second half, and it didn't matter because Admiral Schofield's just a kind of – zone buster type player. Um, Maybe that's what Florida has in Keontae Johnson, who played another exceptional basketball
1: game before fouling out. Yeah. It seems like when people talk about zone busters, they always talk about guys who can shoot the basketball. Uh, But really uh, a zone buster is just like a a guy who can kind of find those soft spots against his own. And, Obviously, with with uh, with the way that Noah Lock can shoot, he's a little bit of a zone buster. And if uh, Kayvon Allen is is hot, he is too. But uh, having a guy like Keontae Johnson that can find the seams is big because that's why Florida struggled against zones last year and and kind of has struggled at times against zones this year. Is obviously they don't have that uh, they don't have that center who can throw the ball to at the free throw line, who can square up and make a pass or, or hit a mid range jump shot. They don't have someone like that. So someone like Keontae Johnson who can get the ball on the wing and. Use a dribbler or two to to, uh, uh, to get into the lane uh, that pretty that collapses the zone. It distorts the zone and and is really good for the offense.
0: Yeah, and you're starting to see Johnson be a little more effective as a screener too, aren't you? After I thought Florida had a couple possessions last night where where they had you know ran effective offense off a Keontae Johnson screen instead of relying primarily on the Hayes screen at the top, and and that was good because. It looked like Ole Miss's plan was to hedge some of those high ball screens. Um, obviously, kind of a weird decision when Kay, on a night where Kayvon Allen wasn't shooting well, but um, it's good that Florida's developing other
1: options when option A fails. Yeah, that was pretty interesting to see the way that they, uh, uh, they kind of hedge screens just because uh, a lot of times you want to play, you want to hedge screens um, for two reasons. One, like you said, if a guy is a threat to, to pull up off the dribble – uh, or two, if it's if you want to keep them out of the paint, because you obviously you hedge out on them, you send them going towards the baseline versus going downhill. And the thing is, like, they were hedging screens hard against Andrew Nemhart. And if I'm another team, I'm probably content with with him, uh, you know, like we kind of talked about on the last podcast about how TCU kind of forced him into the paint and said, yeah, try to score on us. And uh, Ole Miss did the exact opposite. They tried to keep him out of the paint. and. Though they did have some effectiveness out of that, they picked up a lot of fouls that I didn't think were, uh, you know, weren't super fruitful. And uh, that was also, uh, uh, that was, it was kind of to Florida's benefit, I would say. And it does seem like Keontae Johnson is is, uh, getting better as a screener. And I don't think he probably played, uh, you know, I don't think he was probably a screener too much in high school. So uh, it's probably something he still has to learn a little bit more of. And yeah, he's uh, just getting better in, in every aspect of the game, it seems.
0: I'm not laughing at at Eric's point. I, I think I know Eric knows that, but I just want listeners to know that that I'm laughing because the the thought of Keontae Johnson setting a screen in high school just kind of made me, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, why would you let anyone with that kind of body be your be your screener in high school? Just giving the ball and dumb to go downhill, right? <laughs> um, speaking of getting the ball and going downhill, uh, obviously. If there's a concern for Florida out of this game, it was probably the effectiveness of Ole Miss driving the ball on straight line drives to the b- basket, just kind of obliterating Florida in the second half with that. Not necessarily what you want to see with Kentucky coming to town.
1: No, and that's uh, it's kind of funny because that's how uh, that's how Ole Miss beat Florida last year was just because they had had you know those two guards in it. that that could just totally beat them off the dribble and uh, with Burnett and uh, the way he was able to just uh, get a defender on his hip and get in the paint over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, to see that against uh, Ole Miss again with different personnel was definitely concerning. And I think that was probably pretty good coaching because I mean, Florida is a really strong unit uh, defending as a team. Uh, So I think Ole Miss kind of saw that and and um, instead kind of decided that they would turn it into a one-on-one game and, and try to, you know, not allow Florida's kind of team defense to, to be able to, to kind of show themselves. So it obviously was really effective. And and honestly, I think that in a lot of ways uh, that kind of, uh, was the reason they probably deserved to win the game. And I think the Florida kind of stole it. And it was really interesting that in overtime, and, and I think that's when home court really starts to play a factor. But uh, when it got to overtime, I was thinking to myself like, hey, Ole Miss probably has, well, no, they certainly have more guards that can kind of make things happen one-on-one. And that usually wins you, you know, tight games and wins you overtime games. And luckily Florida was able to hit some shots and go on that one run. But uh, I I really thought that uh, Florida kind of escaped with one. Just again, like you said, due to the fact that they were pretty unable to to defend the dribble.
0: Yeah, I thought Florida's first three minutes of overtime were the best they've played all season. Um, the the play obviously off the tip was was something the Florida practices and good on Mike White and staff for practicing something like that. Um, because that's that's clearly a set play and uh, it worked. Uh, and then Florida was just tremendous defensively on Ole Miss's first three possessions of overtime, forcing uh you know it, well forced four possessions and and that hits a three to answer, but after that three multiple stops um in a row basically because they forced tough tough shots uh and and you know and 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 good on Florida for especially in a situation where you know you had three freshmen last night for Florida that played. Thirty-four minutes or
1: more. Yeah, the way they were able to close like that, and it was kind of funny because once again, you know, who was the guy who kind of made the air in the clutch? It was Kayvon uh, Allen turning the ball over when when the pressure came and he knew all Miss needed to foul. So, kind of interesting thing because that's that's what happened uh, a few you know a few games ago too. It was. It wasn't Andrew Nemhart or or Noah Locke kind of uh, having trouble against these like full court pressures in uh, in the clutch. It was uh, it was came on Allen and obviously he had some heroics uh, tying the game and everything and going on that run in overtime. But uh, that was another just kind of unfortunate uh, unfortunate turnover for Bam And uh, luckily it didn't it didn't cost the Gators because yeah Noah Locke and uh, Andrew Nemhart were able to hit some clutch free throws after that.
0: Yeah, Florida's Florida's freshmen collectively. Um only turned the ball over four times. Uh, they all play 34 minutes or more. I thought Nimhart was much better in the second half in overtime than he was in the first half. Um, and, and I think Florida's efficiency numbers kind of bear that out. But uh, I thought Andrew also did a really nice job of, of being better with his so- shot selections, probably why he goes four or five from the field. Um and if you're a Florida fan, one really encouraging thing was the jumper that Nimhart hit in overtime with tired legs that had really
1: good arc. Yeah, that might have been his best-looking jump shot of uh, of the game for sure. Obviously came at a time they needed it the most and uh just like you said, we uh we probably don't need Andrew Nimhart to be uh t- to keep taking those uh shots off the dribble that he that he was taking earlier in the year, especially kind of off a screen and roll when he would pull up for a long two or uh, do a little step back three with that. That's probably just not what they need from him as much as, as much as this team needs offense in a lot of ways. But if he can, if he can just shoot those open threes, I mean, that's going to be better for his percentages. That'll be better for the team's efficiency and be a lot better for his confidence.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And then, and then to your point on, on cave on Allen, obviously uh, he makes some kind of mind boggling turnovers last night uh, a couple times. Um, and he's only six and 19 from the field, but just, just played pretty smart at other times too, you know, the consistently dribbling into those hedges, you know, I think some of that was Ole Miss being over aggressive, and some of that was cave just knowing what they were doing and recognizing it, diagnosing it and saying, man, if I get to the foul line, it's three points, which, I mean, you saw the benefit of what we talked about on the last podcast can short Florida shoot more free throw as well. They didn't shoot as many as Ole Miss, but getting 17 points off free
1: throws in a tight game is a big deal. It is a big deal, and that's uh, when the game gets tight. <laughs> that's uh, that can be a major factor. So, uh, I think we're also seeing. Uh, it just seemed for so long it was Kayvon Allen was. Uh, we, you know we wanted him to be more aggressive and, and he was just so quiet out there and I think that um, as much as I've I've kind of harped on a few of his mistakes um, even the uh, the hustle play he had to keep the ball in bounds that everyone was tweeting out and I mean that was awesome by him to keep that ball alive but I mean it came off just a terrible shot that he took uh, that like fade away out, out of the post against a bigger defender so uh, <laughs> but, but again the thing is um, you know we wanted to be more aggressive and Uh, those are the things you have to live with is that he's, he's probably going to have a few more of those errors because he was always such a safe, didn't turn the ball over, but also just, you know, didn't take a lot of shots and needed to be more aggressive. And the way he's been more aggressive, you know, obviously he's hit some big shots last night, had some big point totals uh, some of these last few games. And, um, you know, I think some of the, uh, some of those turnovers and, and bad shots are just going to kind of come with that and, and you've got to live with it. Uh, But I mean, the, the turnover he had, uh, yeah, at the end of overtime. I think he's just got to know. I mean, Florida's best option is him getting fouled. So I think he uh, he probably just should have squeezed the ball in the in the position he was at. Yeah, no. I mean, that was
0: that was definitely a a pretty colossal error and it's the second time this season he's made kind of just a mystifying play down the stretch in a in a very tight game. So hopefully uh hopefully that that stops, but um yeah, I mean, Florida Florida kind of like you said, I mean, maybe, maybe they steal one. Um, you know, the, the really, the only thing that, that they did better was shoot the three pointer um, which I think a lot of that was for defense on the perimeter, particularly cave on Allen's defense in the first half on Tyree and uh, and Florida wins the turnover battle, but not really decisively 17, 13, not, it's not a huge number, but the Gators woefully out rebounded. Um, yes. And uh, you know, And and Florida shoots a little bit better, but Ole Miss shot about forty-six percent, which most of the time will get you a win on the road. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the the percentages they they kind of shot and and the way you look up and down the roster with Terrence Davis gets you know twenty six points and Tyree gets twenty and uh, KJ Buffin was looking incredible and uh, with I think he had like sixteen or seventeen points uh, they they did a lot of things uh, they did a lot of things right and I, I do think Florida Florida uh, I like I would put this in the category of one that they stole um, I'm also going to ask you and I know this is going to be a little bit uh, you know given the outcome of of uh, of last night's game. Maybe it kind of <laughs> shifts the conversation a bit, but let's, uh, let's pretend that Florida didn't win in this, uh, in this particular fashion. But what are your thoughts on a team being, uh, being up three with uh, eight seconds left and, and not fouling? Are you a foul in that situation kind of guy, or are you a played out kind of guy? Well, what if Florida or um, what if Florida was in that uh, kind of reverse role, say Florida was, was defending their up three, would you have liked to see them foul or just kind of play things out? So once
0: they decided to drop off, I I thought that they were going to play defense, which is what they did. Um, and, you know, th- there's two schools of thought on it. Uh, first is that there might have been too much time left to do the foul. Because if you foul and Kayvon Allen hits two free throws like he'd done all night, If you foul quick, it's a one point game with still with what six seconds to go, and then you have to navigate an inbounds pass and shoot more free throws. Um, So maybe you take your chances with that, and you know maybe you don't. Uh, My thought is that once Allen crossed half court on the bounce, though, that's when you foul because then there's four seconds left. So I was kind of surprised that as he was heading down the wing, they didn't just wrap him up.
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, I thought it was just really baffling. So, uh, one, I, I'm definitely in the school of thought that you foul up three. And um, if Florida's yeah. ever in a position where, um, you know, where they're up three and they foul and Florida ends up losing somehow, uh, people can give it to me. That's uh, that's totally fine because I, I it's going to work out way more often than it doesn't. And um, just my thought has always been, uh, you know, like, let's look at that situation last night where, where Kayvon Allen gets that shot. It's probably like, you know, once he puts that ball in the air, maybe there's like a 20% chance he hits that shot, you know, contested running fadeaway three pointer. Um, so, I mean, if you foul him, Florida needs to make two free throws. And then there's, like you said, like four seconds on the clock, um, or, or uh, then they've got to maybe get it, force a steal or foul. And then you've got to miss a yeah. free throw or two. And then they've got to run like the amount of things that need to go right for the other team. Um, if by fouling in that situation is just so so, there's so many things that would have to break right that I just think that um, the odds are so much lower than a uh, you know Kayvon Allen getting a, a twenty or twenty five percent look at a at a contested three. So uh, that's kind of my thought. My, yeah, no, we we agree on this. I mean,
0: I, I just <laughs> I just kind of noticed that when they dropped off, I was like, wow, they're not going to foul. Yeah. Well, my other um, thought. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, because I mean, well, I have two thoughts on that. One is I thought they weren't going to foul, and the other one was like, why are they giving a guy head of steam like Florida did, not on purpose against Miss State, right? <laughs> like, right. Why well, would you ever let? It, why
1: would you let a guy get in rhythm? Yeah. Well, my other thought was, I mean, there's two guys. There's two guys on the floor that, if I'm a miss, that I do not want shooting a, a three to tie. That's Noah Locke or Kayvon Allen. And you can also say yeah. those are the only two guys you don't want shooting free throws because those are the only two kind of really elite free throw shooters that were on the floor. So, my thought is by not guarding at half, um you're you know you were allowing them to give it to Kevon Allen. So, I, I would have just at least given pressure off the inbounds just to force the ball into anyone's hands other than Kevon Allen or or Noah Locke and um and, and I mean, from there you could do. either, you know, if you if you don't, if you let Andrew Nemhart shoot a three to tie, you probably like that. Or, or you you know, you even foul in Nemhart or foul, uh, just foul anyone other than other than Kevin Allen or Noah Lock. So I thought that was a little bit of an error. But I mean, I don't know if we need to go on this podcast and tell other teams how they need to defend Florida. That's probably not. Uh, uh, no, we should be doing. But uh, <laughs> I, I I did think it was. Uh, I I think Kerm- I really like Kermit Davis, and uh, I, I know that there is kind of. Reason to do what he did, but um, I, I would have definitely played that very differently if I was coaching against Florida. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was surprised by it because I, my, again,
0: my school of thought is 10 to 15 seconds is too much time, but here there was 8.8. So I get that it's close, but, but I think you're right. I think the, the confluence of events that have to kind of go right uh, for the other team, if you foul, even with nine seconds left, basically, is, is too many things. Now, Kermit said that he had, Nearly lost an NIT game by fouling because the guy anticipated the foul and heaved like a 50 foot jump shot. <laughs> uh, but th- but and th- then, and then took three free throws and then only made two. So, middle Tennessee ends up winning by one in the NIT. But, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I just don't think that the odds of that happening are very good. Well,
1: and, and therein lies a, a sports psych problem. If anyone's into sports psychology, is if you, you know, if you lose a game by trying to foul up three, and um, and then it doesn't go right for you. Um, you feel like a laughing stock. Whereas you let Kayvon Allen shoot a three to tie, and then you lose. You say, "Oh well, that's basketball. That's what happens." Even though you know you still lost, it's two very different reactions. So yeah, and the remember, fact John that he... Cal- yeah, John so, Calipari
0: is on record saying that and saying, "Oh well, we don't foul because it's three, and that's basketball."
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's uh, I don't know. I'm really into sports psych, so uh, it's just kind of an interesting <laughs> reaction because. Um, yeah because the the fact that kermit davis is probably like oh well this is how basketball has been played for 50 years you uh you kind of defend it he hit a tough shot um it is what it is but like he said he was just scarred by it by it going wrong once and, and i anyways i this is uh, just getting off to a big tangent yeah. but uh um yeah i would suggest uh i, I really hope if Florida is ever in that situation that they uh, they utilize <laughs> the foul no i would too i would too
0: um wanted to well let me see what else did i want to to Touch on in this this uh this win for Florida. I'm trying to. Can
1: I can I touch to... on uh on one thing? Yeah, there? of course, go for it. Well, I actually thought that Jalen Hudson took a step forward, and I will say one thing that I liked about Jalen Hudson is that uh, the thing with Jalen Hudson in his career at Florida has been like good or bad. You're gonna feel him. Like either he's gonna come in hot and obviously hit a bunch of shots or he's going to miss a whole bunch of them. And that's what happened in a lot of games last year, too. Uh, obviously, he had more good games than bad. But it was like you knew he was on the floor at all times because something was going to happen. And I feel like last night was the first time that he just was uh, was a good role player. He didn't uh, he didn't force uh, – he maybe forced one bad shot that I didn't love. But, uh, but I mean, he took like four shots in, in the time he was on the floor. He hit two of them. And I think that that was actually big because I think the thing for Jalen Hudson right now – is he needed to find a way to exist in a basketball world where he's not, where the team doesn't live and die on his hands, where he doesn't have to be, um, hey, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna get mine on every single possession, and and either I'm gonna hit it or, uh, I'm gonna hit it or I'm going to, uh, or, or I'm gonna lose it for my team. And I thought that he just, um, the way he kind of took a step back and and was just kind of a, a good kind of role player for the Gators and and existed without having to be the kind of primary option. Um, I thought that was progress
0: yeah no i would uh i would i would actually wholeheartedly agree with that um and i, I actually thought he kind of got a, a raw deal on a on a late contest there in overtime too right um I did not think that was a foul no um <laughs> he went straight up got the ball, and you can tell that that Cavarius Hayes thought that it was not a foul too by by an unusually animated reaction from thirteen so um but but you know what I loved about that play was. It wasn't half hearted. Like Hudson Wynn contested it. He was cool. If it was a fat, if he was going to foul him, he was going to foul him. But the one thing that was going to
1: not happen was it g- they weren't going to give up three point play. Right. And uh, it was kind of, it kind of had shades of, uh, I remember last uh, in Portland uh, last year, he had just this ridiculous block in the clutch against Gonzaga, which obviously he had the amazing shooting against Gonzaga. But yeah, he had just like, an absolutely absurd block that, uh, that just kind of showed his athleticism. And I was thinking to myself like, Oh, that's, um, you know, it was pretty unexpected. And I kind of thought that on that play too, where he just had some great recovery speed and got up there to contest the shot at the rim. Well, so, yeah.
0: And, and to win at Rupp Arena,
1: right? Oh yeah, absolutely. He's had a couple of those plays where, um, <laughs> obviously, you know, we get after his defense and it hasn't been, hasn't been great, but, uh, he has that kind of just like burst at times where he can just make, uh, he can make some pretty athletic plays, uh, it, when he needs to, so uh, and I think that that's kind of how uh, that how things might have to go for him. If he can be, uh, you know, if he ever gets his scoring back and can just be like a timely defender to contest shots like that, um, yeah, that's pretty valuable still. So,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's pretty uh, pretty comprehensive on on Florida's win over Ole Miss. Uh, obviously, improves Florida to twelve and eight, and uh, I think Florida's best win of the season um, sets him up for uh just you know the next four games in this brutal stretch starting saturday with uh maybe the team playing the best basketball in america right now
1: <laughs> yeah i would say that that's pretty accurate for kentucky and that's something that i thought was uh was kind of interesting and i was on a few radio shows kind of after uh let's say like just kind of right at the, the top of the sec season um just a little bit before i remember going on kind of before uh uh, before they played Louisville, which I think was their last game before the SEC slate. And, I mean, when you looked at their, at their resume, uh, they didn't play a lot of great teams, and the only teams that they played that were any good were Duke, who they obviously lost to on first the first night of the season, and then they lost to Seton Hall. So, like, you know, 12 games into the season, their best win was at UNC Greensboro, Greensboro and, like, Utah, and they had lost to Seton Hall and Duke. So there was a time at the start of the season where – uh there was not a lot of meat on the bone when it came to their resume and uh then obviously they went past they went past North Carolina and then and then Louisville and things looked a little bit better but um it was kind of this is kind of the uh the story with uh with Kentucky teams uh they obviously are always young so and this year specifically it seems like they've got some more kind of weird pieces that don't align perfectly uh but uh you know this is the point of the season where they really start to gel and uh the way that they uh the way that they're playing now the way that they kind of um, beat Kansas, I would say, fairly convincingly. Um, and obviously against a team in Florida that doesn't have the size to, to match up super well, I would say this one's pretty scary.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, um, Kentucky, always, they're always going to defend under John Calipari. It's another thing I always find funny when people are like, oh, why would defense first be like the bottom line of your culture? And you look at almost any elite program in America, and it is. You know, I think UNC. And to some extent, Kansas. Although Kansas always protects the rim, even if they're not tremendously def- efficient defensively, right? Um, I think I think those two programs are really the only notable exceptions to that. And Roy Williams's best teams are so teams that defend. So that uh, Calipari is a master at getting young players to buy in defensively. Um, I think it's the best part of his coaching. And right now, what's happened is is I think that they've they've found a little bit more of a mix with. Uh, with since the move of Higgins to to point guard and right now PJ Washington, a guy I don't think Florida can match up with at all, (laughs) uh, (laughs) is, uh, is just manhandling people, 22 points, 10 rebounds over his last three games. So he's averaging a double double. Um, if they have a weakness, I would say, uh, it's that, you know, they don't get a lot of bench points really. They got some nice bench scoring from, uh, from their bench with Nick Richards and, and EJ Montgomery adding some points uh, against Vanderbilt, but they scored zero bench points against Kansas, two bench points in their win over North Carolina, so they don't get a lot of scoring from their bench. They're pretty starter-reliant in that front. Um, but But, again, Florida doesn't really have the depth
1: to maybe take advantage of that. Yeah, you just uh, you said a few things that just definitely scare me. Um, starting with that, <laughs> starting with Ashton Higgins, just the way that he he really pressures the basketball. Uh, it just makes it just a very very tough time for opposing point guards. And uh, I, you know, I definitely love the play of Andrew Emhart, but uh, this is a game where where I think his athleticism, the kind of the athleticism difference, uh, could definitely bite him. Just the fact that Andrew Emhart is not an elite kind of an elite defensive pl- or sorry, athletic player. And uh, things are going to be really tough for him. And if if they can kind of uh, – uh, he Ashton Haggins is almost kind of like those one-man press guys. If he's playing Andrew Nemhart 94 feet or even just uh, pressuring him as soon as he gets over half, uh, for a team like Florida, who's already had a really tough time getting offense going, uh, that could be another big issue. Uh, we've seen a lot of Florida offense now – um, is two where they're trying to, you know, the point guard will come up the floor and they'll try to throw it to the five man. Who's at one of the, one of the 45s near the, near the three point line, and then kind of run off that. And, you know, I look at those front court athletes and, and look at PJ Washington and, uh, look at the way that Ashton Higgins pressures the ball. And even just kind of that simple action is going to be made, uh, is going to be made pretty difficult, I would say. So, uh, that definitely, uh, that's definitely concerning. And, um, the, just uh, the way that uh, obviously the way that Kentucky really gets after rebounding the basketball, just another thing that's really consistent with John Calipari teams. Uh, I'm just really not sure what answer Florida has for that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's the waves of bigs that Kentucky has that, that really will give Florida the most trouble. And another reason they'll miss Keith Stone very bad. I'm going to throw some numbers out that will surprise podcast listeners and the Kavaris Hayes terrible hive. Um. Which, by the way, I don't think those are the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish there were more Kavarius Hayes is, is Terrible Hive people that listen to our show and not just our listeners. Um, but here's some facts on on Kavarius. Uh, 11.4% block percentage, first in the SEC. 108 defensive box plus minus, number one in America, college basketball. Uh, 60 offensive rebounds, leads the SEC, second in America. So – we're talking about a guy that that is having a wonderful senior season in every way impacting winning in every way but scoring. Um, and I think he's a guy that can really frustrate Washington and 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 Reed Travis. It's just that there's waves and waves of guys. Like I mentioned, Nick Richards with fourteen off the bench against Vanderbilt. I mean, they just have so many bigs and Florida's so thin that uh, you know, it's a game and Keontae Johnson has been really good but has struggled with fouling and still gives up a lot of height to PJ Washington. Um, so you got to worry about Florida. You know, they're big, they're, their guards have to be very active in helping, don't they?
1: They will. And that's, uh, that's kind of a, uh, it makes you wonder if Florida's going to, well, Florida's obviously been pressing a lot this year, um, but I do wonder if they've got, uh, if they've got a more aggressive press in their, in their kind of repertoire. Obviously they play the one, two, two, just to slow down opponents, which, I would be almost certain we'd see against Kentucky anyways, but I do wonder if they, if they have anything else that kind of cranks up the pressure a little bit more. Um, I'm just looking at synergy now, just out of curiosity. And I see that um, Kentucky's shooting 44% against man defenses, 46.8% against zone defenses. And uh, they have, uh, they've only shot 40% against uh, against, or sorry, press defenses while they have uh, turned the ball over on 18% of possessions. So um, I'd be interested if Florida tries to crank out the pressure a little bit more just to try to generate some turnovers uh, because the thing is if, uh, if Kentucky gets a shot up uh, you know, they're probably going to offensive rebound it around 40% of the time. And that's going to be uh that's going to be frustrating <laughs> for the, for the Gators. So if they try to play, uh, if they try to kind of turn the ball over a little bit more uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, that'll be a, uh, that'll be, might be what they have to do just because like you mentioned uh, Keontae Johnson can, uh, can be prone to fouling. Uh, Dante Bassett can be prone to fouling. Isaiah Stokes can be prone to fouling. Slash, you know, this could be a tough uh, matchup game for him just because of the uh, the athleticism of the front court of Kentucky. So uh, we certainly don't want to see uh, we certainly don't want to see foul trouble uh, uh, early because that would be uh, that would be a major issue for Florida's depth. But um, uh, yeah, if we could, if they can get some of those uh, some good dig down steals from uh, from Kayvon Allen, get the ball going the other way. Uh, things like that uh, that might be part of the recipe for uh, for how the Florida Gators can win.
0: Yeah, no, um, hard hard to argue with with any of those points. Again, and is is uh, you know this number is improving. It was in the three hundreds uh, for for at least until January, really early in conference play. Three games in the conference play there that they, they were at three hundred five. They're now at 267 per Kimpom and in defending the three-point shot. Uh, so, if there's a weakness, it's it's been Kentucky's ability to defend the perimeter. Um, but but you know, Florida's <laughs> Florida's hit or miss there. Sometimes they shoot well, and, and other times not so much.
1: Yeah, this is gonna be another. Well, it seems like every every game's kind of a green light uh, kind of came for the Gators. But uh, yeah, if uh, if if they can get softened up by a quick a uh, quick couple threes from Noah Locke something like that uh that'll be uh that'll be interesting to see if they kind of uh see if they kind of shake them out of what they do but um uh one thing that I thought was pretty interesting too is uh kind of backtracking to is that we have seen Kentucky press a little bit more than I kind of remember them doing. And uh, one thing that was kind of uh, interesting that I I wouldn't have really thought about, but now looking at Florida's stats, uh, Florida has actually been terrible when other teams have pressed They're uh, They've shot, uh, they've shot 28% from the field when other teams have pressed and they haven't turned the ball over a ton, only 13.8%, which is, you know, Florida's going to taking care of the ball, but I'm curious to see if, uh, if Kentucky, it kind of extends their defense, and tries to slow Florida down a little bit and kind of eliminates those, you know, any opportunity for a quick three or anything like that. Because if Kentucky can, can kind of make this just a true half-court game and make Florida try to score on them totally in the half-court, I think Kentucky probably likes their chances.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think they do. Um, you know, there's, there's historically, these Kentucky teams are young and they've kind of ebbed and flowed. Uh, they'll have these really great sets of games where they're elite and then and then other games where they kind of you wonder what's going on. But this Kentucky team kind of since since we talked about Haggins just since they've moved him to point guard. And I think the presence of some more veteran players, it's a little older Kentucky team, as weird as that is to say, uh, has kind of avoided that. I just you know, I don't there's not a lot of paths for me to to a Florida victory other than maybe the Gators just going bonkers <laughs> from downtown.
1: Um, I would say, yeah, let's, let's actually think of that. I, I would say that, um, yeah, number one is, you know, I would say Florida has to shoot in the high thirties, at least from three, um, and hit double digit threes for sure. Um, I would say that, um, I, I would say that they have to keep it. Um, uh, I would say they have, they would have to limit Kentucky to only being in single digits higher than them in the rebounding category. Cause I think that's, uh, you know florida can win by not uh, they, it's not like they have to win the rebounding battle and, and suggesting that they would would be a little bit ridiculous i would say but uh they do have you know what they'd have to uh uh they would have to not get absolutely pounded there and then um it's it's kind of weird cuz uh, you know kentucky's actually like by the percentages is a pretty good three point shooting team but they just don't take a lot of them they kind of only take really good three point looks but um there is a there is you know it, it wouldn't be shocking if kentucky were to go like two for 14 from the three point line, just not taking a lot of threes and, and not hitting them. And I think Florida would probably need that to happen. And I would say that Florida also needs to uh, needs, to, would need to get a lot of steals and be able to turn, be able to turn nine steals into like, even just like 10 fast break points. Just, uh you know, just easy buckets that, uh, that they don't need to score against the set defense. But right. Uh, you know, that's kind of the things I would say uh, would, would all need to break Florida's way for them to win. Um, and staying out of foul trouble, but, uh, you know, these are, uh, you know, that's, uh, the list just gets longer and longer. I think, um, this is just, uh, I, it's, it's kind of hard for me to imagine a worse matchup for, um, for Florida right now.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's pretty brutal and and you hate to see a team that comes off a, a really inspiring, you know, potentially season changing win and, and Kentucky's waiting on the back end of it. Um, you know, We we, we've done this whole preview. We haven't even talked about Kelvin Johnson, who might be one of the best players
1: in the country. I know. I've really been (laughs) avoiding it. I I was actually going to go to Tyler Hero next, but you know, you know, if we have to go to the best player, but yeah, and
0: and Tyler Hero is another guy who you know I I was surprised to see he's only shooting thirty three percent from from beyond the arc. But then I looked at it as conference and non conference splits, and it's forty three point five in conference play.
1: Yeah, he he shot the ball a lot better. I think he had a couple pretty bad ones uh, just early in the season, and and that kind of just, uh, kind of shifted perception on him. But but yeah, I do think Kelvin Johnson's been awesome. And uh, you know, there was always a part of me that was you know a little bit being a, a Florida homer, also just being a little bit of a contrarian. But you know, if I would watch kind of Oak Hill games last year, um, I'd be streaming them, and, and I I honestly, pretty much every game I saw, there's probably five or six. It seemed like Keontae Johnson was the better player than Kelvin Johnson, and. Um, like I said, that could be my bias. That could be uh, just me be trying to be a contrarian, but um, yeah, it seemed like Keontae Johnson was the better player. And, uh, uh, you know, but in college, yeah, Kelden Johnson's been just fantastic. And uh, he can shoot the ball really well, um, just an elite athlete and uh, a major matchup problem. And, uh, you know, we talked about the front court matchup problem, but if they even have Keldon Johnson at the three, that means that, uh, you know, Kayvon Allen at six, two, or Noah Locke at six, two has to check him. And that is a, very very challenging matchup so uh you kind of just um, t- to recap Andrew Nemhart's gonna have a pretty tough matchup with ashton higgins whoever plays the three against uh, kelton johnson is gonna have a really <laughs> tough matchup keontae johnson and and you know pj washington at the four uh that's gonna be tough for keontae johnson not to foul and then you know reed travis at the five uh I, you know kavarius hayes is a really good defender just uh you know it's it's just possible that some of these kind of short stouter guys have been able to body him just a little bit so um definitely not an easy matchup for Cavarius Hayes so it's just uh whew, I'm not uh I'm not sure what matchup you like most for uh for Florida other than the fact that it seems like Noah Locke is going to be able to get a shot off against just about anyone yeah no I mean it's not a matchup that went well for
0: Cavarius Hayes either it's PK80 right so so uh you know even even suggesting that maybe Florida has that one advantage that is only an advantage until Kentucky starts substituting <laughs> and Florida can't, and Florida can't do anything really to counter except play Dante Bassett and hope for the best. Um, yeah. So, and, and the other thing about Keldon Johnson is he's been marvelous in big games. I mean, 20 points at Auburn, uh, 15 points, but 10 rebounds, the double double against Kansas uh North Carolina 21 points 5 steals <laughs> um you know he fouled out but but still he 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 pours in 23 against Duke uh even though they lose you know so i mean he's he's played his best basketball in the biggest stages which uh when you're <laughs> when you're a freshman that's that's headed to you're headed to the lottery i guess if you do that <laughs>
1: Right. And uh, you got to think that, uh, yeah, you got to think playing his high school teammate and Keontae and uh, just obviously the way that they've been rolling. uh, I I could see him kind of being primed for another big game just because Florida doesn't, if if Florida was really healthy, this would have been was, was was totally healthy. This would have been a really interesting one to have Keontae Johnson at the three, you know, being able to defend Kelvin Johnson. Um, unfortunately, now we're going to have uh, Keontae Johnson trying to handle the load down though that is P.J. Washington, and and have someone like uh, someone like Kayvon Allen guarding guarding Keldon Johnson. And um, it'll be interesting to kind of see if if Kayvon Allen can kind of keep him out of the paint just with uh, maybe a little bit quicker feet. But if, if Keldon Johnson is shooting the ball well, he's going to be able to get a shot off against, against smaller defenders. And um, we've also seen, uh, we've seen a little bit of a, of a lesser dose of, uh, of uh, Ballard these last few games. Um, I'm not sure if this is the game for him to kind of reemerge on the scene. But just as a guy with a little bit more length, um, it would be nice if he you know it was, we were to have a really big basketball game be able to get some good defensive minutes out there against someone like uh, a Keldon Johnson. But um, yeah, like you said, you start uh, you start looking at the bench too. I mean, Dante Bassett played some good minutes before getting his you know head squished between the hard court and a and a, and a rebel last night. And uh, but I thought he played pretty well, and, and maybe he can kind of bang down low. But I think this is going to be a game where he's going to pick up some fouls. And you know, Isaiah Stokes, I'm just uh, I, I'm not at the point of trusting him at a high level for for much more than a for, than a couple minutes right now. And uh, yeah, just uh, just tough matchups, tough matchups everywhere.
0: Yeah, no, it's brutal. Uh, Kentucky's fourteen to fifty-five from from the perimeter, and their three losses. So we've kind of identified that the the, the formula to beat them. Um, Florida's still defending the best in the SEC. Kentucky now the second best defensive team in the SEC per hoop math. Uh, Ken Palm actually has it basically even. Um, so so two of the best defensive teams, but just so much talent. And and hard to see uh, Florida winning even on their home floor. You know, Florida's won three or four against Kentucky, so this is probably, uh, you know, Florida would love to keep that going, but but the reality and the matchups suggest uh, that that might not be the case. And uh, you know, strange things happen in college basketball, uh, but but not the best report, I guess, from from Florida Basketball Hour on uh, on Florida's <laughs> chances.
1: Well, it just uh, yeah, it just seems for every potential point, there's there's a counterpoint that kind of. Hurts the Gators. And like you said, you know, they've shot the ball poorly in a couple of their losses, but uh, if they shoot the ball, poor, say, you know, if Florida, uh, if they start shooting threes against Florida and they're not falling, uh, you know, threes mean longer rebounds and mean more 50, 50 balls. And that will go heavily in the favor of Kentucky. So there's part of me that's like, man, I don't want to have Kentucky hoisting up a bunch of three pointers because uh, that might turn into offensive rebounds and, and layups. So, you know, that scares me even, but Hey, uh, the, this is, uh, is, as much as I, you know, as much as I do just sound com- kind of uh, kind of c- completely just uh, uh, worried about what, what Kentucky can do, you know, do I think that they're way better than Michigan State or Tennessee, two teams that Florida has played tight? Uh, no, I don't think so. And if they played, you know, Tennessee tomorrow, I, I still might pick Tennessee to win and, and Florida played them right down to the wire. So uh, I think that obviously, like we've been talking about, Kentucky is an even worse matchup uh, for the Gators than either of those teams. But at the same time, Florida's played um the two best teams that they've uh, they've kind of played against, they played them pretty tough. So um I, I don't think that I think Florida will find a way to definitely keep this game close. Um, at least down to uh, at least for most of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean look, um they they got all they wanted in Morgan Auburn too, right? Um and, and I don't think that 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 Florida is is quite as good as Auburn, but I actually think it's kind of They're kind of comparable teams right now. Florida defends a lot better. Auburn scores the ball a lot better, but their weaknesses are actually kind of similar on paper. Um, And, and we've talked on the podcast about how the environments are similar. So, you know, um, Florida, Florida certainly will, will have their chances and then they'll come up for air and and we'll test my theory about how similar Florida is to Auburn
1: in a couple of days. (laughs) Hey, that'll be interesting. And, uh, I guess just uh one other thing of just uh, just a little bit of note is this is a pretty big uh this is a pretty big uh, recruiting uh weekend for the Gators. Um I believe that um that they're going to have Yeah, let's we- talk about that. Let's let's yeah. let's add that at the end here, right? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I think that there's some pretty good uh, you know, so as some of these people might know on the podcast, I uh don't actually know much about football. I'm very much a basketball guy, but I hear there's some good uh Uh, Some good, uh, some good football guys, but um, in terms of basketball, there's definitely some, uh, some pretty key guys that'll be on campus. Yeah. Well, why don't we tell our listeners who, who we're expecting? Okay. First. Yes. I I didn't know if I was for some reason, I was totally blanking on, um, on the last one, but I know that there's PJ hall who's a big man that everyone's going to be, uh, uh, you know, like PJ hall is a pretty interesting big man who can kind of score his sisters on a place for UF's uh, volleyball team. So that is that connection as well. Um, The guy that I totally blanked on his name was, uh, which is like very disrespectful, is Julian Strother because he's a five star, um, a wing (laughs) who's really really good. And uh, obviously, when you can get five star wings, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, And I will let Neil explain the uh, the last guy that'll be on campus.
0: Yeah, and the last guy uh, on campus will be uh, Dudley Blackwell, a uh, six six. That's what they're listing him at Somerset now. So good for him. (laughs) Um, Wing from uh, from Fort Lauderdale. Who, uh, Just really, really well coached
1: in his background is what I hear.
0: yeah, obviously extraordinarily well coached young man, <laughs> um, and and a guy that can really score, uh, lots of different ways to score. He can, he can beat you off the bounce. He can pull up. Um, he he led he led Broward County in in free throw percentage. And before you say, well, he's a prep player. Vernon Carey played in this county. Uh, Scotty Barnes played in this County. So, you know, we're talking about a guy that gets to the foul line really efficiently and then knocks them down at about an 80% clip. So, uh, I, I think a really important piece for Florida's following class and could kind of not the same player as Scotty Lewis, much more of an offensive type type player than a defender. Um, but, but a guy that could kind of seamlessly feel the transition and do some of the things that Scotty's gonna be able to do. Um, we're all operating under the assumption that Scotty Lewis is on campus for one year. <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> so, you know, Dudley might not be a one and done type. Um, in fact, I don't think he is. Uh, but but you know, a guy that's got some USA basketball youth experience too. So I just think a really good player and, and a player that probably wants to be in Florida.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, for those who don't know, Neil Neil coached him a, a little, a bit in the past, so that's why I said he was extraordinarily well coached. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, one thing that I feel like um, has gotten lost on a lot of Florida fans, and um, you know, I think that the people who listen to this podcast are probably a lot more intelligent. But uh, you know, every time you know, as soon as uh, as soon as we posted about this on Gator Country, there's with you know one one kind of power forward type in in Hall, and then and then two wings. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, where are the centers? Where are the bigs? And obviously, yes, um, you know, we talked about that. It, Florida probably needs a couple more big bodies and injuries suck. Uh, but the thing is, you know, we again, we look at Florida's roster right now and they really have like two really, you know, they have like two wings. One is Jalen Hudson, who doesn't really play like a wing. He's more of like a scoring ball handler. And then you've got Keontae Johnson, who's been forced to play bigger. And I think if you look at a lot of college basketball right now, the best teams in the country – um they're chock full with elite wings and you see that in the nba you see that in college um just in the way the game is played right now uh wings win you games and uh i think that things will be a little bit better with uh with scotty lewis in town and even trey man is just a little bit you know not a not a wing necessarily but just a, a kind of guard with a little bit more size but um you know what florida could really use some of these guys like a six foot six deadly blackwell um or a julian straw like those are those are what win you games and i think that florida can really use some of those wings and it's uh, uh that's why it's really good that they're getting them on campus but um yeah and as well pj hall though i mean uh from what i've seen he can really score and kind of has a little bit of a. some people kind of think some people would say he's quite arrogant in the way that he plays um a little bit unlikable at times even and you know just because he's kind of this moppy headed white big man he's has a little bit good. of duke, duke tendency to him but some. Um, but Florida could use a little bit of that confidence. And uh uh, you know, if all of these three guys were to be uh be in Florida's class, I'd be uh, I'd be pretty excited.
0: Yeah, no, I think Florida needs a guy like that, which is why I'm really high on Hall. Um because, you know, I, I've mentioned it on on prior shows. I think I think in Locke and, and Johnson you actually have guys that have kind of that nastiness and edge to them. Um Locke's is a little more subdued, but man, if you watch him defend, it's there. <laughs> and uh so so they're they're getting it back in the program. But yeah, I think it's important that, that the gators uh move in that direction. So anyway, really big big weekend recruiting wise, obviously uh hopefully the Kentucky fans aren't too loud. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they always they always bring numbers and depending on how good they are and how bad Florida is. It was interesting like two years ago when Kentucky was good but Florida was really good like there were only about 400 500 Kentucky fans because the arena was full of Gators. I don't know if it'll be like that Saturday but but I hope the rowdies are there early and, and make it a tough environment
1: yeah <laughs> the rowdies are gonna be there and oh I don't know if this is even worth talking about but we're here did you see what's uh did you see what the one uh one the, what the rowdies did to Bree and Tyree last night
0: I didn't see, but I did see that the, the curse of doing the gator chomp prematurely continued, which is wonderful. <laughs>
1: um, uh, I, I feel even bad talking about this. You might have to edit this out. I'm going to say it anyways. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the rowdies uh, has been trying, one of the female rowdies has been trying to, uh, has been uh, uh, matching with um, opposing players on, uh, on Tinder um, the night before the game. And one of them had a conversation with Bree and Tyree and then, printed it out and distributed it to all the Rowdies. And during the pregame shoot around, they were just reading out this conversation um, between this one girl uh, from Florida and, uh, and Brian and Tyree um, as he tried to uh, negotiate a meetup between the two. So uh, I thought that was a little bit, uh, a little bit underhanded and a little bit dirty by the Rowdy Reptiles. But uh, uh, that is, uh, that is uh, some 2019 student section stuff for you.
0: That is, that's uh, <laughs> the camera the Cameron crazies would be proud
1: yes very much so so uh you know i'm and i mean obviously i'm sure the roadies have something cooked up for uh for kentucky because that's obviously a big game and something that uh uh yeah it's a win that could be big for the gator so like you said i'm sure they'll be out early and uh and uh making their uh making their impact felt
0: yeah well the hilton university conference center is uh where kentucky always stays so if any, <laughs> if any of our listeners want to go play the drums saturday morning outside of the uh doorway to kentucky's uh team meeting and breakfast um, you didn't hear that here on the Florida basketball hour.
1: Certainly not. Do not condone the actions of, but let's say I'm, I'm definitely excited as much as I just spent 20 minutes talking about how scared I am of Kentucky. Um, yeah. We excited. spent a I half hour think... talking.
0: We spent a half hour talking about how Florida has no chance to win, but we're, we're actually quite excited for the game,
1: but Ken Palm has it, you know, relatively close. So, uh, you know,
0: we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody. We'll uh, we'll be back for uh, the Bruce Pearl preview. Uh, That's good. Oh
1: uh, yeah, always (laughs) one of my favorites.
0: (laughs) Ah, love love the Bruce, Uh, and, and thanks for listening, everyone. Bye bye.